are now listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast, your one-stop source for frank and honest information about the hot life and cuckold lifestyles. You can find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio, or you can head to www.keysandanklets.com and subscribe right from the website. Now, let's get to the good stuff with the host who separates fact from fiction, Michael C. Okay, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Keys and Anklets podcast. I am your host, Michael. Today, I think it's about time that we get into the BBC lifestyle and how the interracial aspect of this is all tied in. Now, I've said before, and I intentionally held off on addressing this topic until now because hotwifing and cuckolding are not interracially specific lifestyles. And I've been doing this long enough to know that there are plenty of people who practice it, who don't go down that road, who have no desire to go down that road. And I wanted to make it clear that this is a podcast that appeals to everyone who has an interest in this lifestyle. However, with that being said, I know how big of a part the interracial aspect plays in all of this. There's a lot, there are a lot of layers, you know, when you start bringing in the interracial element to it. And there's no way I'm going to be able to address that in a single episode. So this is pretty much going to serve as just an introduction. Like I'm going to skim over some things, but I'm not going to go into a tremendous amount of depth. I'm going to save that for future, more dedicated episodes on a particular topic. Now, one thing about when you introduce the, the interracial element to these two lifestyles, one of the things I want to make perfectly clear, and I've said this in my first episode, I'm not a doctor. I didn't receive any official training. I didn't take any psychology classes or, or, or anything like that. What I'm basing my advice on is the countless number of people that I have encountered during my years in this lifestyle, not just meeting them, but talking to them, listening to their stories, asking questions, digging deeper, digging beneath the surface. My thoughts are, yes, I might not have a degree, but I've put in enough work, time, effort, and energy to have several advanced degrees if they were in fact offered on this particular topic. Yes, there may be therapists out there who understand the mental side as far as things in our childhoods that triggered why we do what we do. And I don't claim to know those answers. I'll never come across like I know those answers because I don't. What I do know is I know what happens once people get into it. So uh, I want to start off with talking about why people have the interest in black men, why certain women and couples do it. I feel like there are several different themes that I've noticed in people who go this route. I guess the first of which would be the simplest one. And those are the people who they're just in it to enjoy it, Uh, whether it's cuckolding, whether it's hot wifing, they don't really have a preference. The race thing really doesn't do anything for them, you know, so they're not out there actively looking for it. If they meet a white bull and he fits what they're looking for, they'll play with them. If they meet a black bull who fits what they're looking for, 
they'll play with them. For them, it's just a coincidence. They truly don't see color when it comes to all of that. That is one of the first things that you notice or when you come across people who look at it from that aspect. Then you have the, the taboo aspect of it. People who are turned on by the fact that even in 2018, there's still a taboo aspect to this. And I want to speak on, on two things specifically that for those of you out there who might kind of laugh at that and say, oh, come on, man, it's 2018. There's no more taboo. I wish that were true. I really do. I really wish that that were true. But I know enough to know that there are still certain attitudes that people have that allow that way of thinking to continue. I host parties and I get approached by couples all the time, you know, inquiring about my parties, inquiring about the lifestyle that I'm in. And they'll say things in their messages like, my wife loves playing with black men, or she would love to be with a black man, or it's something that we both want, or, you know, she does it all the time. But then you read their profile, it makes no mention of it at all. And I've asked couples about this. Like I've talked to them like, hey, you know, I've seen your wife at my parties. I've watched her play with 10 black guys in a night, but yet your profile doesn't mention anything about that. And what they've told me, like the first time I started hearing it, it, it kind of shocked me, but now I'm kind of used to it. But they say what happens is if they put that information on their profile, it changes the way that certain people interact with them. Like there are people on some of these swing sites and some of these other sites, they actually get hate mail. Like if they have a picture of themselves posted with his wife playing with a black man, or if it's noted in their profile that this is what she enjoys doing, they, they get hateful messages from people, criticizing them, degrading them, calling them names, belittling them. Like it's, it can be bad. It's so uh, for a lot of these people, they just don't even want to put it out there like that. And they've told me that there have been times where once a couple finds out that that's how they play, that they don't want to deal with them anymore. So rather than deal with that, they just kind of keep that part of their lives private because of the types of reactions that they get from people. There is a swing club in Pennsylvania. I'm not going to mention the name, but it's, I'll just say that it's in the state of Pennsylvania. Now, I didn't experience this personally. This was relayed to me by several people who were involved. They have a, you know, or at least they had a, a night that was single male friendly. There were some black guys that were encouraged to go like, hey, you'll have a good time there. There's some cool couples there. You'll be welcome there. And so these guys go and they're trying to engage couples. They're trying to talk to them and they're, they're not really getting great feedback. It's like, it's almost like nobody's really trying to go out of their way and talk to them. And, you know, they were dressed nice, you know, decent guys, respectable guys, know how to talk to people and everything like that. It's not that people wouldn't talk to them, but as far as getting to the playing aspect of things, they felt like they weren't desired at all. They actually approached one of the women who was in charge of the night. And, you know, they asked her like, hey, are we doing something wrong? Like, we don't understand why we're kind of getting the cold shoulder. And the lady explained to them, she was like, be patient. Just, just wait till around midnight. 
And they're like, wait till midnight? What, what do you mean? She was like, trust me, just wait till like around midnight. So around midnight, those women and couples who they approached earlier in the night started coming up to them and the conversation started getting more heated and started getting more sexual. And then, you know, and next thing you know, they were, they were playing. The way that the lady explained it to them was early in the evening when the couples were there, those couples were there with their friends and their friends didn't necessarily play that way. They didn't want their friends to know that they played that way because they didn't want their friends to treat them differently. Being that those couples don't really play very hard, they have a tendency to leave earlier. You know, they come out, they have their little bit of fun, you know, they flirt, they dance, they do a little touching here and there. And for them, that's exciting enough. And then they go home. So what happened after midnight was by that time, most of those couples had gone home. So now the couples that did play that way felt unencumbered. Like they felt like, okay, now we can let our hair down. You know, the stuffy people have gone. Now we can get down the way that we like to get down. And that just goes to show that even in 2018, that taboo aspect of it, it's still very real. It might not be to the degree that it used to be, but it's still there. Interracial is not just black men, white women. I mean, I think that we're all intelligent enough to understand that that's not the only form of interracial. Interracial is when you have basically you have two people of different races. However, the black man, white woman aspect of it, especially when you're talking about porn, it just seems to to dominate it. And me being the cerebral type of overthinker that I am, when I first started getting into this, I would really look at it and like try to go back and be like, okay, why is it like that? Why does it have that extra added oomph to it that doesn't really seem to be there when two people of other races get together? One of the things that you can't deny is there's a very unique history in this country between black men and white women. I wish there was a way that I could go back in time and find the first person to do it. The first woman in this country who more than likely, you know, her husband owned slaves and she saw that situation and said, I want to do that. And I feel pretty confident that it came from I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel pretty confident in saying that it was a woman that made the first move because the repercussions were far more severe if you were a guy taking that chance. I'm not saying that they didn't think it, but as far as acting on it, the price to pay was far too heavy for them to actually act on it. You know, I would think about like what emotions was she feeling at that time? for her to take that risk of doing that and thinking that it was actually pretty easy for her to do as far as making sure that he was going to comply because let's be honest, he was a very easy person to blackmail and just understanding the amount of, of energy and passion that was involved in the very first time that went down. 
And then what did she do afterwards? You know, because obviously people that own plantations, you know, they socialize with other people that own plantations, you know? So did she go to those other wives and say something to them? Like if the opportunity presents itself, you need to try this. Is that how it happened? Is that how it started? So it's one of those things that I'll never find out the answer to, but I, I find it interesting to think about. I'm not saying that black men didn't lust after white women, but we couldn't really act on it. And as history has shown us, if you did try to act on it, you know, you could wind up paying with your life. I mean, I don't want to get too deeply into that, but all I'll say for those of you who don't know, just Google the name Emmett Till, read his story, read what happened to him and read about why it happened to him, like what his crime was, what he was accused of doing. Basically, he was accused of making like cat calls to a white woman. And he was a kid, like he wasn't even a grown man. He was a kid. So that just gives you an idea of just how deep those feelings were. So for me, especially when I first started getting into this lifestyle, I can remember instances where while I'm playing with a white woman, I could see these images of, of my ancestors that came before me kind of stand like the men, like kind of standing there looking at me, giving me the thumbs up, like cheering me on because I know that they saw white women. I'm sure that they found white women tra attractive, but they couldn't do anything. And it's not that they're cheering me on because I'm, I'm fucking her, but they're cheering me on like because of the opportunity that I have, of the freedom that I have, like that's a freedom that they never had. And I know that that may sound strange to some people like, wow, you're sitting there with this woman and you're seeing like people behind you, but that's just me being real with you. And it, it just went to show me how, how powerful that is. And it's not, it's not just that powerful in me. Like I'm not the only person who feels this way. I might be one of the few that's willing to speak on it. With all that being said, that taboo aspect is a motivator to certain people. Like that's one of the reasons why they do it. Another reason why certain people get into the interracial aspect of things is it's purely aesthetic. It's the visuals. Uh, it could be something as simple as a husband, you know, and I've had a number of husbands tell me this, like he gets nothing out of watching her with somebody that looks like him. So that's why they choose to go that route. And we all have to admit visually, it is extremely enticing because everything is so clearly defined. Like you see right where her body ends and his body begins. You see everywhere they join up, whether he's kissing her and you see his lips on hers or his hands on her body or his cock and her pussy or his arm holding her leg. Like everything is so clearly defined. Like it's such a sharp contrast even just looking at it visually, it's, it can be extremely exciting. I completely understand those couples who that's their attraction to it is aesthetically, they find it very appealing to see her pale skin against his dark skin. It's a powerful image to see. Then you have the size aspect. Now, let me say first and foremost, I'm not one of these guys that believes that all black dudes are hung. Yes, it's a stereotype, but there are people out there who believe it. And I'm a firm believer in the phrase that your perception is your reality. So if you have a couple and they believe 
that black guys are bigger then even if you have a black guy standing next to a white guy and they are the same size in their mind the black guy is bigger because that is their perception and their perception is their reality i think what's happened over time and again this is just my spin on things is we hear it so much that you have guys out there who feel like they're big even if they're not they just feel like they're big so they carry themselves like they're big and it's that attitude and that confidence that puts them in contact with women who are seeking somebody big like even if they aren't if you were to say hey how many guys in here are hung even if he's not the black guys are going to raise their hand now a lot of them are going to get their egos hurt but that doesn't change the fact that they're going to raise their hand like they have that confidence even if it's misguided now with that being said you do have women who are size queens and these are women that i like to affectionately refer to as big game hunters like for them it doesn't matter what race you are. They are strictly out for the biggest cock they can find. For the guys, if you're going to deal with one of these women, be prepared to have your feelings hurt because it doesn't matter how big you think you are. If she doesn't think you're big enough, then you are not big enough to ride that ride. And you might have to go home with your tail tucked between your legs. So you better keep things in perspective and understand that even though that woman over there said you were big just last week, the size queen over here might not think so much. If you're going to deal with a size queen, definitely be prepared to have your ego checked because they know what they want. And more importantly, they know what they don't want. And if you fall into that latter category, then there's no amount of talking that you can do that is going to make that happen. Now, the other two things that I'm going to talk about are a bit more extreme. I know that there may be some people listening who may roll their eyes when they hear it, but just because you don't believe in it doesn't make it any less powerful to the people who do believe in it. For those people who believe it, the feelings are very, very real. And there is nothing that you can do or say that is going to convince them anything differently. The first of these is there are people out there who feel, and this goes for both you know, husbands and wives, and sometimes it's just the wives, but they feel a natural submission when they're around black men. They probably can't even explain it. Like there are women who I know who aren't even submissive to their own husbands. But when they get around black men, when they get in that sexually charged environment, they just melt. And it has nothing to do with them being weak women. I mean, these are powerful women, forces in their community, forces in their career, leaders of industry, running businesses, you know, women who are running shit. But yet when they find themselves in that situation, there is just something that comes over them it's almost like they can't even help themselves. I've seen it. I've been around it. I've talked to people. It is real. If you're the type of woman or couple who has experienced it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. You, because you have felt it. You have seen it. You've experienced it. If you haven't, then you might think I'm talking crazy. You might be like, uh, I don't believe that. That's cool. That's your prerogative to believe me or not. There are people out there where it's strong. I mean, it's really strong. 
I mean, it can be so strong to the point where if you're not prepared to deal with it, it can be overwhelmingly strong. One of the things that puts people off in this lifestyle is the way that some of the bulls act. Like there's a, you know, some of them can be a bit immature with their sense of entitlement and their sense of almost arrogant. But when you step back and you look at how they're treated by these people with these more extreme views and feelings, you can kind of understand where it comes from. Not saying that it justifies it, but just helps you to better understand it. You know, no different than these athletes in schools, you know, they start out as kids and pretty much from the time they're in middle school up through the time they get to college, all they have is people kissing their ass and telling them how great they are. Well, naturally that kid is gonna start to believe that and that's gonna affect the way that he deals with people. And it's gonna take a really strong kid with a strong moral compass to be able to avoid that and still keep things in perspective. Because I've seen how these women and these couples, like it's powerful, man. Like I'm, I can't say that enough. You know, when you have a woman in front of you that is basically on her knees looking up at you saying, you know, do to me whatever you want to. And she means that shit. That does something to you. Trust me. For the guys who've been in that position, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For the women who've been in that position where you've been on your knees and you've looked up, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't been in either one of those two situations or if you haven't been a husband and you've seen your wife in that situation, then you might think that this is just crazy talk. Now, the second part of that, again, that's more extreme. This one is even more controversial. And if you if you're not aware of this, you may find it even harder to believe. But if you've spent any time online and reading and, and having real conversations with people, you know that it's real. And that is, there are, there is a certain segment of people in this lifestyle who feel a certain level of, I guess what we can refer to as white guilt. In other words, they see what's been done and how we've been treated. In their minds, they've convinced themselves that this is how I can give back. This is how I can make up for what was done to black people by our ancestors. And right, wrong, or indifferent, whether you agree with them or not, the feeling is there and the feeling is very real. If you have both a husband and a wife who both think like that, then that is how they're gonna live their life. And there is nothing that anybody can do that is going to change that. Some of you who are listening to this, either you come across somebody who thinks like that, or you think like that yourself, or you've been exposed to it in, in some way, shape, or form. And all I'm saying is that if you haven't, if you've never heard of it, if you've never encountered, don't be so quick to dismiss it. I'm not saying that you know, you have to think that way or you have to agree with it, but at least be aware enough to understand that, that it's real and it's out there. And there are people who think like that. I mean, how many guys have seen a really, really, really attractive woman, but yet she has low self-esteem for guys that might be hard to believe. Like how could that woman not understand how hot she is, but yet that's how she thinks. 
when she looks in the mirror, she doesn't see what we see. So there are people out there who they have a firm set of beliefs and, and, and that's how they live their lives. And when you encounter a couple whose motivation falls into those last two categories, it's extremely powerful. It's something that's on a much deeper level that honestly, most of the guys that they play with can't even comprehend it. They don't really truly understand where that motivation is coming from. On the heels of that, one of the things that I've noticed is women who play with black men, they usually fall into one of three groups. The first group I already spoke on where they don't have a preference. If a guy comes along, if he meets what they're looking for, then they'll entertain him. Like it has nothing to do with his skin color. It has nothing to do with his race. They, they, they truly don't see color. They're, they'll play with an Asian guy. They'll play with a white guy. They'll play with a black guy. They'll play with a Latin guy. Like it doesn't matter. They just want to play. And then you have the second group, which is women who they have a preference for, for black guys. And with that being said, I kind of wanted to say something and I wanted to address this because I've noticed it. And that is, this is a message to the non-black guys who encounter couples who prefer black men. I know that it can be frustrating. I've talked to guys. I've talked to couples on, and about how those types of guys react to them. My advice would be, don't take it personal. It's nothing personal. We all have our preferences. This is all supposed to be fun. If you ever encounter somebody, whether it's somebody who likes tall guys or likes short guys, I'm a slim guy, okay? I've encountered many women who like big, buff, muscular guys. That's not me. So if I encounter somebody and that's their preference, then I have to understand that I don't fit their preference. It's nothing personal about me. Just like guys, you know, guys, you have your preference. You know, there's some guys that like bigger women. There's some guys that like smaller women. There's some guys that are into blondes, brunettes, long hair, short hair. Like we, we all have our preference. As a guy, what I would say, if you encounter a woman in this lifestyle and that is her preference, don't get angry about it. Don't take it personal and, and keep it moving. Because trust me, I've come across many women. They just don't, they're not into black men. That's why as a black guy in this lifestyle, when you're on a swinger site, anytime you see a couple unless it specifically says something on their profile, you walk into the room with two questions. Does he allow her to play with single guys? And is she into playing with black men? Because those are two things that you just cannot assume. So back to the, the different types of women. Like I said, I already spoke on there are women who don't have a preference. And then you have women who they're not exclusive to black men, but they just have a strong preference for it. All things being equal, if there's a black guy available, that's who they would rather play with. But if not, then they have no problem playing with somebody who's not black. It's just that's what their preference is. I see a number of women like that at my parties where they don't only play with black guys, but that's what their preference is. So they go to a lot of these types of parties. You don't really see them at other types of parties, but I know that they've played with other couples with their husbands. So I know that they're not exclusive to black guys. And then you get to that category of woman where she has made the decision to only play with black men. Being that this podcast is about couples, I'm not speaking about single women who have chosen to only be with black guys. I'm talking about the women who are either married to 
or are in a relationship with a man who is not black and are choosing to, with the exception of him, to be involved sexually and physically only with black men. When you have women who have made that decision, that's when the queen of spades tattoos start to come into play. And I'm not talking about the temporary tattoos. Like I understand the excitement that women feel when they wear the temporary tattoos. You know, you see them all the time. They're very common. And it's cool. If it makes you feel good and it makes you happy, then then go for it. But there is a difference between a woman who wears a removable tattoo and a woman who actually goes to a tattoo parlor, sits down in that chair, tells the artist, this is what I want and this is where I want it. Leg, ankle, back, shoulder, bikini area, chest, wherever. For a woman to take things to that level where she wants to put a permanent mark on her body saying, this is what I do. This is what I want. All I can do is tip my hat at him because I know that everybody doesn't have that same level of courage. But even if you don't agree with why she's doing it, just the fact that that she's taking things to that level of getting a tattoo like that, all I can do is tip my hat at him because I know how strongly they believe. And I know that for those women, yeah, every once in a while, they may open a door up for somebody else. But for the most part, that's all they want to play with. Like in their mind, there is nothing that you can do to convince them otherwise. And like I said earlier, perception is reality. So even if you don't agree with it, understand that that's what that person believes. And there is nothing that you can do or say that's going to get them to the point where they're going to change that. One of the things that I want to address and again, it's, it's another one of those touchy kind of subjects is uh, race play. I know um, a lot of guys, a lot of bulls who, at least on the surface, they say that they don't like it. Me personally, I understand that all of this is about a fetish. You know, I'm in the BDSM community as well. So I fully understand how fetishes play into things and the effect that fetishes have on us. There are some guys who aren't comfortable with being a fetish, which is funny because women have been fetishized forever, you know, whether it's big titties or, you know, her legs or her ass, like everything physically about a woman has always been on display. And we have been fetishizing women in this society forever. But now it's getting to the point where we're being fetishized and there are guys that they're not comfortable with that. Me personally, it's never bothered me for whatever reason. It just, it just doesn't. I understand it. I don't feel like it detracts from who I am. It doesn't detract from my character. Like it has zero impact on that. So like I'm able to just compartmentalize and have fun with it. And honestly, it's like, hey, I'm fetishizing you. So if we can fetishize each other together and have fun, then so be it. You know, let's do it. Race play doesn't bother me. I like dealing with somebody who kind of has that dark, kinky side to their personality to where they can even express themselves in that way. It's not the words that she's using that turn me on. It's the fact, wow, this person's got a dirty fucking mind. And that turns me on. I'm all about kink. I love kink. I love 
kinky, freaky, perverted people. That's just how my mind works. And if there are people that have a problem with it, that's cool. Just keep it over there. And I'll, I'll hang over here with the kinky people. Another thing that I've noticed about all of this, and this will probably be the last thing that I address in this particular episode, because like I said, there's a lot to this when you get into the interracial aspect of things, and there's no way I can cover everything. So this episode is just an introduction to it. I've talked to a number of couples, and one of the things that you notice is there's only but so much you can talk to the wives about this before it starts to get to the point where they're like, I have other things that I have to do. Whereas when you talk to the husbands, it always seems like they're always ready to talk about it. Like I've yet to encounter a husband who gets tired of talking about his wife in these kind of sexual situations. What I attribute that to is for the wives, it's mental, but they also have a physical outlet, meaning they actually get to experience playing with their bull and being taken and being fucked and used and coming and just all of the physical pleasures that come with it. Whereas for the husbands, for the most part, they don't have that same physical outlet. So for them, it's primarily mental. Like the majority of everything about this lifestyle is mental. It's all going on inside their heads. So because of that, it's almost like they're constantly on edge. I can talk to a wife, even if it's a wife that I've played with before, you know, I can say something sexual and she could be like, look, can we talk about this later? I got to go do this or I got to go do that. or I got to get my kids ready for school or what have you. Like, it's a lot easier for her to kind of compartmentalize and distance herself and separate the two worlds. Whereas the husband, he can be getting ready to go into a meeting at work or a conference call or something or doing something with his kids. And I'll say something and he might not be able to respond right away. But he doesn't tell me that he doesn't want to talk about it right now. You understand the difference? Like she can say, okay, let's talk about this tonight. I've got things I got to do. Whereas the husband, he just won't respond until he's able to. But very rarely does he say, oh, I can't talk about this right now. And I just find that very interesting. And as far as how powerful it is and who is the driving force behind, you know, making it happen. So I just kind of wanted to to bring that up, you know, in closing. Like I said, this was just an introduction to all of this. I'm sure some of you are going to disagree with what I've said. And for some of you, you know, a lot of what I said may resonate with you. One thing I would like to say, your comments are very much appreciated. So however you consume this podcast, if you're able to, please leave comments. Doesn't matter to me if they're positive or negative. I just like to know what people are thinking because I'm making this for all of you listening. So I want to feel connected to you. So I want to know, did something I say resonate with you? Did you disagree with something? Like, don't be afraid to be critical. I'm a big boy. You know, I got thick skin. I can take it. I want to hear it because I don't mind those types of things. So If you're able to, even if you have to come back to it, just understand that your comments are very important to me and I welcome them. And I I really do want to hear what you're thinking, even if it's about a topic, like even if it's something that I left out and you say, hey, I wish you would have gone more into that. Or are you going to do an episode where you go more into this? You know, the only way I can know that is if you leave a comment and say something to me. 
Or if you don't want to leave your comment in a public place, use the contact me form on my site and send me a message. Just something to let me know what you're thinking and what you thought about this and what else you'd like to get out of it. Because, you know, I want to hear what everybody has to say. All right. So again, I want to thank you for listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and we'll talk again soon. Everybody take care. Mm -hmm.